0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall.
1: And my name is Jeremy K. Gover, and you can follow me on the Twitters at It's
0: Gover Time. So we'll have an interesting show today. Um, Coming up a little bit later on, we will define how big of a success the stadium series was. In my opinion, it was a massive success. I know the outcome didn't turn out the way we wanted it in terms of points and and the, the score, But we will dive into a million different things about Saturday evening that I think actually were a huge, huge, huge success. We've got some single-season records that are almost all of which are on pace to be broken. All the main records for Nashville Predators players. Roman Yossi gets to 500 points. He's chasing down David Leguan for that record all time. So we've got some positive stuff. Lots of positive stuff to talk about. However, Gover, we're going to do that later on in the show after the break when we actually... After we've hit you over the head with a bunch of really important negative questions about, about the team considering even though the loss on Saturday night as a whole was maybe a successful evening for Nashville and for hockey um, package that with the losing streak before the time of the season that we're at. And then with what, how they performed against Seattle, we've got a lot of questions we need to ask about this team. Uh, So it'll be negative half and then a positive half Uh, also uh, go over uh, sad to report two more episodes with with jeremy gover so this week and next week and then adam bingen oh, is, yes adam bingen is back and uh maybe we'll bring you back and do like uh like we'll do a line some line changes uh during the postseason or something but it's it's been awesome having you you'll be here this week and next week and then uh adam bingen will be back so a little programming update there as well and of course the gold standard is brought to you by the wonderful folks at jasper's Look at that. You got it. You're you're an expert now. You're a pro now. I was, pre-
1: I was prepared this time. I was prepared. I was prepared. <laughs> I knew you were going to toss it to me as opposed to take it yourself, so I wanted to make sure that I was right on top of it.
0: Go to Jasper's. The parking is free, and for you National Predators fans, of course, uh, As as listen, you listen to this show, whether it's Gover or Adam or me, you'll listen to this show because we're not going to blow smoke. Right? We're going to tell you what we think. Sometimes that's really positive later on in the show. Sometimes that'll be negative. <laughs> so- <laughs> Sometimes that'll be really negative coming up in just a minute, but we would never blow smoke about anything, much less going to Jaspers. The for you Predators fans, it is a great place to watch the games uh, home and road games. Doesn't matter. Great drink specials, $3 drafts, $10 smash burger. The menu is great. Dead pack. awesome. Saw a bunch of folks that came into town for the stadium series game. We're over at Jaspers having a good time. I know you went before Pekka night, so go check it out. It, it's great. They're our great sponsor. Go support them. All that great stuff. Go to Jaspers. Okay. Now the negativity.
1: So Let's get to it.
0: So, so uh, I will refrain from talking about anything about Saturday night against Tampa outside of just the three-two loss. So I'm just going to focus in on the fact that Tampa largely controlled all of the play. <laughs> that it didn't feel like Nashville was kind of on the same level as that Tampa team uh, on Saturday night, which of course are the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. So I, I get it; they're they're pretty awesome. Um But then, to come back and to play the way they did against a Seattle team that is as bad, be- seven straight losses heading into the game on on late night on Wednesday night and to 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 give up three goals in like three minutes after having a lead and then tying it like th- this was a test of their resolve in my opinion, and they are now i, I looked at, I looked this up gover go they were um 24, 11, and two after the win in overtime over Colorado, and that was on January 13th, so a month and a half ago, and we were like, "This team, they're top, top in the Western Conference, top in the Central Division. They just beat a very good Colorado team in what we thought was a huge showdown for both of those teams." Since then, Colorado, I think, has scored a billion goals and hasn't lost a game. I don't think Nashville is six, nine, and two in a month and a half that is under 500 hockey for 6 weeks. There are 28 games left to go in the regular season. You cannot lose to Seattle. You can't, you just you can't in those situations and you certainly can't do it giving up leads. They were 18 and 1 with a lead after the first period. They have now lost each of the last two games, after having a lead after the first period, I'm done. I'm done. Your turn, Jeremy. I'm sorry.
1: Well, I was gonna. I'm gonna add one more log on that fire, Braden, and that's <laughs> that the you cannot lose against Seattle, a team in the doldrums of the Western Conference, of course, with your starting goaltender in net. I'm not. I'm not blaming Soros. I'm just saying that we talked about this on a previous podcast about how sometimes you know teams will throw their starter at the kind of the 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 lesser team in a back to back situation, right? Kind of almost to quote unquote guarantee the two points. Again, you know, set yourself up for success is probably how coaches would say it. But uh and so so now to so now to go into Seattle and not even get a point out of it and waste a game for Soros is not I mean it's just not good all around. Especially in the way that it happened. Uh I mean the game winner came on a short handed goal by former predator Colin Blackwell. I mean Colin what? Blackwell's awesome. What? I'm a big Colin Blackwell fan Big call, Blackwell fan. I really, I have, have been since he was here. I was pissed off at the previous coaching regime, or excuse me, at the coaching regime, not the previous one. I, I didn't understand why when they need a spark, I don't know why they didn't do that. So I'm a big Blackwell fan. So to him to have success is great, but I mean, a shorthanded goal when they got three shots on goal, Seattle did on that Nashville power play, and Nashville didn't get a single shot on goal in that power play. It's not good all the way around. And I will also say that I, I've because you mentioned the Colorado game, I've looked, I've, I was doing the math while you were telling me the record since then. Uh, I've looked, and they have allowed three or more goals nine times in that stretch. And there was a time back when the season started, the first th- two or three months of the season, where they'd allow three or more goals like twice when Soros was in net, right? So we've either seen a complete change in a team taking something for granted or getting ahead of themselves or we've, we've seen something change and I don't know what it is. Do you have any idea? Do you have anything in your head that suggests what the change could be? Cause something is clearly <laughs> different.
0: So it, it's, it's funny. Hockey is such a funny game because I don't like, you know what my first instinct is to answer that question with this, this their seventh place in the Western conference. This is who they are like that, that, that like I know that's a really unscientific way to say it now you see Soros. he's 1 in 6 in his last 7 his save percentage is 89 which is way below right. he's given up you mentioned it, he's given up 23 goals in those 7 games so like Soros has not been as good not all of those are on Soros when you're giving up all the shorthanded chances no, by the way two for not at all Two former Predators, by the way, scoring uh, in that Seattle. No, I know, but I'm Kelly, just saying Yarncroke.
1: Blackwell had the game winner. But yes, no, I know. Yarncroke did get one as well.
0: I, I, to, to me, now listen, Carrier, Cousins, I don't think the, there's, you, you can't point to injuries as to why this is w- what's happening. Because I it, it's, we talk, we've talked about this all throughout the last month and a half, which is, it's okay, you're going to have stretches where you don't play well for four, six, seven, eight games. We're now going on five and a half weeks, though. You, again, six, nine and two. That, that is a month and a half of being under 500. And that is when you package that with how good they were earlier. To me, it, it feels more like course correction than giant mistakes the defense is making. Or I mean, I know the penalty kill has not been as good. The power play has not been as good. But those are so, like they're still a top 10 power play. Um, they're still an upper half penalty kill. Actually, they're 17th. So they're rated about halfway. I mean, again, they're they're fifteenth in scoring, they're thirteenth in goals against. I think this is a this is who they are. I think they are the thirteenth best team in the NHL, and that might just be this is just a leveling out of, of who they are because again, they were ahead of schedule for the first forty or fifty games, in in most of our opinions.
1: And they're allowed to be who they are. That's um, that's not even my consideration, although that does provide context. My issue is they were doing something right before. Let's say the Colorado game, because even before that, I was thinking maybe it was a calendar thing. Like, you know, my OCD goes, "Oh, well, it'd be clean if it was a calendar 2022," you know. But that's <laughs> not true because they beat Colorado. Oh, it's Colorado. They beat Chicago on New Year's Day, six one. They beat the Golden Knights in a tough game, three to two, at Vegas, by the way. And then they beat the Los Angeles Kings and Victor Arvids in four to two. They beat Arizona, but that doesn't count. And then the Colorado win, where they allowed four goals but still found a way to win in overtime. Okay, so you're like, all right, that's how the calendar year started. That's pretty good. But then it's been crazy since then they had the f- they had the five game streak where they got a point in all five games they did have that in the middle there but that was with four losses before that then those five and then four more losses and then two wins and now two more losses so but if the trend is not going to be perfect but if the trend is right they're going to lose against San Jose and they're going to lose a big one against Dallas
0: well and at Napa- home after that is Anaheim, who's also just a point or two behind in the standings. So this right. is a huge, a huge week coming up for this team because, it, like, what we're, what I'm getting at, and I, and I can't point to, I'm not, I'm not smart enough schematically to look at like, oh, they, they're going more man to man in their own defensive zone, sure, less, no, sure, less, less sure. hybrid, or you know, like Soros, like they're just Saros is not playing as well. The defense is not playing as well. The penalty, they've, we, we know this team leads the league in penalties, so they're on the. the the penalty kill a lot. And so when you start putting all of those pieces together with a young sort of emerging collection of players, you're bound to get some streakiness out of them. Again, I have said this, I don't know how many times it's about, it's about cutting those streaks short and sort of reverting back to what, you know, is good hockey. And while, like you just pointed out, they've done that like a little bit and kind of, but, but again, we're, we're we're at a month and a half here of this. And more importantly, And there's still tons of time to fix it. 28 games left to go in the regular season. There are eight games left until the trade deadline. Obligatory Philip Forsberg trade deadline conversation coming soon. But there's eight more games. They're going to play 13 games in the next 24 days. From from March 5th, when they play on Saturday against San Jose until the end of March, they're going to play 13 games in 24 days, eight of which will come before the deadline. You don't have any more time to figure it out. This is it. This is the time you have to figure it out over the next few weeks, in particular against Dallas and Anaheim next week, who are sitting a point and two points behind you in the playoff standings, trying to knock you out of the playoffs. This is it right here. This is it. And they played terribly against Seattle. Let's just be honest. Oh, for sure they did. And I will also say that
1: those these head to head matchups become even bigger. If you want to assume, so let's say you're one of the people like Braden who assumes that they're a seventh place team in the division. That's what. That's who they are. Okay, in the,
0: in the conference.
1: Team. In the conference, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, yeah, it's a yeah. division, of course. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, in the, in the conference. Thank you. Uh, so if you assume that they are a wild card team at best or that's where they'll kind of fall in, then guess who you're going up against? Colorado <laughs> in the first round of the playoffs, which is not going to get you anything, right? No. no. So. Uh, <clears> Trade <throat> force. It's. Throat> <laughs> so for me, it's the points are even bigger because I think they can't. As much as Vegas has a lot of talent, Robin Leonard is not the guy to uh, with, with any consistency. Anyway, I think he's beatable. And so if they go up against Vegas, I give him a fighting chance. Yeah, I still sure. don't pick him to win, but maybe six seven game series, you give him a fighting chance. So my point is, is that Colorado is pretty much the only team you want to avoid, in my opinion. They're beatable too because their goaltending again is not perfect. But I'm just saying that they're they. Long story short, if you can stay out of that eighth spot where Colorado's going to get the first, yep. then I think you're in good shape. Well, guess what? Beating Dallas and Anaheim are going to go even further than just beating San Jose or Seattle or you know Arizona, whatever, because that's going to push them lower. And if they do get in, then they get the big boys and yep. you
0: get to avoid them and uh, although losing to a team with 37 points uh, at this point of the season is is unacceptable. No, no, it's just, that's it's... never good. But, but my point though
1: is still that those are the teams no, you want to beat so you can stack points, but the head-to-head matchups against Dallas, Anaheim, those teams that are fighting for that last spot, even St. Louis for, for the most part, like you know, cuz you can force them down and so those those head-to-head matchups are the biggest point of emphasis, I think.
0: I, I get and I guess I should ask you like why do you think this team has played this type of hockey what what is the change what is the difference i i again my argument is i always thought best case scenario was sort of third place in the division to get out of that wild card slot and if that was the case then i think preds fans would have to be celebrating this as a very successful huge step forward as a franchise and i still think you can argue getting into the playoffs is still way better than what anybody anticipated that they're over under total on points i want to say was like 86 or 80 something, something like that. And, yeah. and they're they're going to blow right past that, hopefully at least. And and so I think either way, they're still all like, no matter you finish in the wild card, you lose in game six to Colorado. You still are ahead of schedule, quote unquote, from where we had you expectation wise. And, and, and again, that takes us right to Forsberg, of course, on the deadline, because if you're, if you're, if you're ahead of schedule and you still make the playoffs, but we don't think you can beat Colorado, then you kind of, and you're not close to signing Forsberg. Th- then you kind of have to um we'll have some we actually had some news from uh i believe the guys up at uh was it tsn um i can't, I can't remember who it was that said if the number comes in under roman yosi and i didn't intend to do this right now but i guess i have got to because now i'm down the <laughs> I, you, you I, naturally segued it so i, I want to say it was it's, it's one of the podcasts um i, I i'm I really. I, is it insider tra- insider trading. I quote tweeted it. It's it, basically they said, "I'll I'll check it, I, it. It's not Friedman. It's not the Athletic guys. I want to say it's the, uh, the TSN guys, um, but they said basically if if Forsberg comes in under Roman Yossi, they'll get a deal done. That they expect to get a deal done if the number comes in under, which is nine point zero five nine million dollars per year, and if they can get that that deal done under that number, then he feels. <laughs> he being the guy I need to figure out (laughs) This is terrible (laughs) terrible journalism by me. Um, So again, I don't know what you think about that. I don't know what you, when you combine the conversation about where this team is located in the standings, who they are, they're upside in the playoffs with a a report from a a, a well-connected source saying if the number comes in under Yossi, there's a really good chance they get him signed. I don't, you have to put all that together to sort of have the Forsberg conversation with eight games to go before the March 21st deadline.
1: Yeah, it's a tough one. I, like I said, I don't want to go too deep into this, but I, uh, I'll just say that um, I think that's pretty—that's pretty fair by Poyle. If if it sounds like Poyle is or Poyle's camp is getting to this person saying, "Hey, as long as it comes in under this point, we're good to go," and if that's the case, I think that's very fair by Poyle to have it under Yossi because Yossi's the captain. Yossi's a Norris Trophy winner. Nor uh, Yoshi is the staple on defense and he is the team leader Forsberg then would not be able to overtake him in fairness. And so while that may be a pipe dream, cause that's Yossi's contract was not signed this year was signed previously. And so therefore it's not the same market, but that is fair on Poyle's part to say, look, Yossi is this. So as long as you're below this, we're good to go with that. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. That gives him the 9 million for, I'm assuming eight years and a no trade, good, good. uh, But, you know, I mean, a player of Forsberg's magnitude can be that. I mean, that's fine. You've got him in-house. Because what are you going to do, Brayden? That's the other thing, too. I don't think we've actually talked about this. Is that if Forsberg, if you trade Forsberg, in the offseason, you don't re-sign him. Okay, let's just, for sake of argument, you don't re-sign him. Because how often does that really happen, right? So, you trade him to Edmonton, because they're desperate. And you get a haul back. And then he comes free agent, and Forsberg does not re-sign with you. doesn't doesn't come back to you. That's fine. But what are you going to be doing? You're going to be looking for another player like Philip Forsberg. That's what you're going to go do, and you're probably and you might pay him in the ballpark of nine million anyway, because of what the market would dictate. So, it's you've got him in house. You know him. You know what he brings. You'll take the 20 games of injury, uh, nagging injury every year to get the 60 points, you know, whatever it is. So for me, it's if they can get him under Yosi, even if it's a dollar under Yosi, <laughs> I think you do it.
0: Nine point zero five eight million dollars. <laughs> uh, I, I I would be okay with a no movement clause for like the, the first three years. Like I would want a six year deal worth eight and a half. I would say yes and sign off on and be excited about. Eight and a half for six years with a no movement clause for three years and then maybe a limited no movement after that because Poyle, we know, does not give those out. So
1: I'm OK with that. I know, but he, it's going to have to change. He's, he's, right, he is right. that agree. can down the road long I, enough.
0: I, I agree. And if you're going to save those bullets in your chamber, for lack of a better cliche analogy, whatever metaphor simile, if you're going to do that, right. do it for guys like Yossi and Forsberg, where you're, you feel a little desperate to get the deal done, because, again, we're eight yes. games away from the trade deadline. So I, right. I, if that report is true and if that's accurate or if it's just one-sided, we don't know because Forsberg may not even be close to that number, which if he wants 10 or 11, I don't know. There's also salary cap implications. There, are, there is plenty of space for the Preds in the near future on the cap. The cap is going to be stagnant for a little while, but not too much longer. That should go up. So there should be a little bit more space to work with. Um, and they don't have a massive name that they're gonna have to all of a sudden start paying six or seven million dollars to. Like a lot of these guys that are young, they're they're gonna get raises, but they're not gonna get the the five, six, seven million dollar raise. So I, I do think the dynamics are sort of ever changing every single week. That there's a different dynamic. Uh, unfortunately, it's funny. The first thing I thought of when you mentioned Edmonton is that they would miss the playoffs because Edmonton would take their spot. <laughs> No. <laughs> like that's, that's, that's that
1: that may be a good point. I just throw that in my mouth as an no, example because I, I, I know how
0: desperate they are. But yes, I know it's just like that. Maybe I don't like if you're going to trade for and, and miss the playoffs, then I don't know. That's pretty funny. Um, so it, what? What do, we'll wrap this up before we take a break and then make it positive here. What What do you make of if If I was turning the question back on you and saying what why Why is this team for a month and a half not able to replicate what they were doing? Was it unsustainable? Is there a particular specific thing that you've picked out like what what do you say to that question
1: so I tend to gravitate towards psychology uh in in a group collective setting I tend to do that I don't know again if that's just my personal baggage or whatever but for me I think of like how this is a young team there's there's veteran leaders okay like Yossi Forsberg is young but he's he's been around the league forever you know Johansson right Duchesne there's some veteran players but for the most part this is a young team and the Nucleus is young, okay? So the star power may be veterans, but the Nucleus is young. I think they got started off on such a heater through the season, and they sustained it, and they sustained it, again, through January, whatever the date was, 10th, or whatever the Colorado game was. And it was like, oh, all right. Like, like screw them. Everybody was saying we well, weren't a playoff team. Look at us now. We're this and that, right? And all of a sudden, as a group, somehow, I'm not saying it was spoken, but just somehow – they were like, we're doing well, we're we're good. And something is yep. amiss, whether it be the hunger or whether it be the
0: drive
1: or whether it be the paying attention and practice, whatever, it's something. Something is different because over this, again, now you said five and a half weeks, over that length of time, we've seen more Stupid penalties taken. And we've seen lazier penalties taken. Mikhail Granlin, we've talked about this. He ne- he is the hardest worker on the ice when he's out there. You notice him every single time. And yet he is the one taking his hand off a stick, wrapping it around a guy, getting yeah, a holding penalty. Yeah. So something is amiss. And I and I I would more or less gravitate towards yes, they've regressed to the mean. I would I would give you that. And we kind of worried about that the whole time. And like December, we were like, oh, are they ever gonna regress to the mean? This is what we're playing above their station, this and that. Right. So yes, they've done that. But if you're looking for something that has changed or clicked or whatever, I think it's a psychological, I think it's of the psychological nature. I think something has happened where they have got overconfident or they took something, for, whatever it is.
0: I, I, I tend to agree with you on that. And just look at the Colorado Avalanche. How many games did they have to lose? Before they finally got into the playoffs, broke through, and then they still got beat by the Predators that year in, when they won the President's Trophy. But they gave them a hell of a run, a hell of a battle. And we all said, wait a second, this Colorado team is way more talented than we thought. But it took a lot of losing for them to get there. It took them losing that series to then start to go on their run that they're on now the last couple of seasons. I just think it takes a young team losing to learn how to win. And that's just over 82 games. That's just really hard. But it's a, but it's also a team,
1: regardless of youth, honestly, to say. Hey, like we're not as good as everyone thinks they are, or hey, we're we're as good, but we haven't put the work ethic in. Look how the Colorado started the season; they started the season two and five. Excuse me, two. And, I'm sorry, two and four, and one of those wins came in a shootout. So it's all of a sudden you like, they're like oh. Hey, we're only putting up a couple goals a game. We're way better than this, whatever. And then after that loss to Vegas, three to one loss to Vegas, they went on like a. I think they won like nine of ten. They on some massive run. It was like, oh, okay. So, so something woke them up. Like, hey, right. everyone's picking us to win the cup. Everyone's picking us to win the West. We're awesome. Look around this room. We got Cole McCarr, Kale McCarr. We got McKinnon. We got Rand. Look at all these guys. We're gonna be great. And then they did not. They were not great in the first five se- right. games of the season. And then it was like, oh, okay. Let's get back to work ethic, and then holy crap, they're one of the best teams that everyone thought they were going to be. So it there is a psychological element to it, and I think it may have worked in reverse of Colorado for Nashville. I think they got ahead of themselves, or they felt too good about themselves, whatever, and they've lost something.
0: I just hope they can get it back before the season's over. That There's still plenty of time, and there's time before the deadline to find it. You've got big games. This week, when we reconvene, they might be out of the playoffs, Or they might have yet another big win over a playoff rival like Dallas on Tuesday next week. So when we come back next Wednesday and, and you know, we do, we do this show, we will have a little bit more information and there'll be six games left to go before the deadline. And maybe there's more news on Forsberg. So like there's, this stuff is changing every single day. And the good news about hockey, which is also the bad news, which is it's just this very long season with lots of ebbs and flows. And right now they're, they're, they're in one (laughs) and they got to get out of it because now there is no more time. There's no more time left. You've got three weeks to do it. So the other thing about this too, and I'm, I'm going to keep this very, very brief as my dog runs through the room apparently,
1: uh, is that the Predators need to figure this out before the deadline because of the Forsberg thing and all that's great. But they need to figure out the Forsberg thing to find out the domino effect of who they're going to go acquire. Do they want to go get a Phil Kessel who's unhappy in Arizona? Do they want to go get a Claude Giroux who... We'll probably get to a thousand games before Philadelphia to actually trades him, but uh, that you know, do they want to go get that kind of? But
0: is it worth it to get those guys? If it's if, if it they don't you, have if it costs if they don't nothing, have Forsberg if it costs you right. nothing and it's a rental, then maybe. But I don't. I don't. I don't That's want right. Them, I don't want them giving up any future assets. That's right. But I, if it, I don't want to stunt the the rehabilitation project. <laughs> you know totally I
1: mean? agree. I totally agree. But Hines just yesterday had mentioned that. Uh, uh, not after the game, before the game, had mentioned that, uh, you know, finding a winger for Ryan Johansson has been difficult because you have two lines that are solid and great, right? And then the other, and the Johansson's been, he's been good too, but he hasn't had any stability on his line. So do th- you, you can get that with a Giroux or a Kessel, some guy like That's that, true. right? A shoot first guy. But again, you can't do that if you don't have Forsberg locked up. So yeah. y- there's a huge, p- a huge puzzle here for Poyle to figure out and he's got about, 8 games to do
0: it. <laughs> Good luck, David. Uh all right, that is the negative portion of the pod. No more negativity. It will be all positivity when we return. We'll talk about the stadium series, all the things we learned, all the things the national media had to say, as well as some single season records that could be broken here uh, for the National Predators, some historical stuff. So all positive and all positivity when we return. All that negative stuff's out of the way. We got it out of our system. It's time to talk positively because there is lots of really good stuff that happened over the weekend. We will be right back. This is the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. The Gold Standard is a Nashville Predators podcast that is, in fact, brought to you by the wonderful folks at Jaspers. I was going to say, you've been on the show now a lot and you do work. Wait, what's what's the what's your official title with the 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 this this the acapella group the barbershop stuff? What's the official title?
1: The, I I am the video production manager of the barbershop harmony society.
0: Okay, do you do much singing, or is it no? Just I don't rap? do any
1: singing. No, I don't do any singing.
0: So you will not sing about Jaspers for us impromptu on the podcast today.
1: What I just did, and then at the top of the show, those are the two. That's, that's the it. most thing you're going to get. at Yeah. You- you fulfilled your obligations. It's <laughs> a little bit of an amateur vibrato, and then that's uh, that's all I got.
0: Okay, all right, fair enough. I just you you, you and I were talking a lot about music during the uh, stadium series <laughs> game on Saturday because there was a lot of music to critique uh, in that stadium. And I also.
1: educated you about it. Might get loud. The director's cut, or the uh, the deleted scenes which you e- haven't seen, edu- which I'm very disappointed in.
0: Educated is a loose term as someone who's seen it might get loud three hundred times. Um, no, no, no. I mean
1: the deleted scene. I'm. Saying. I know, like when, I know, yeah.
0: I know. You are right. You are right. I just I just felt a little offended at the educated part, that that terminology there. I'm, I'm listen, sorry. I'm triggered, Gover. Go okay? I'm triggered. I, I see that. I see. Go, so what? you know what you do when you're triggered? You go to Jasper's and you have a cocktail and you relax. Yeah, I, and you I untrigger eat? yourself. <laughs> have yourself a gold standard <laughs> cocktail named after this pod. Have yourself a burger. Have yourself whatever you want. They got a great menu. They got free parking, great happy hours for the Preds games, home and road uh you got soccer games starting up you got all kinds of spring sports right no baseball i guess but (laughs) but a lot of other stuff to watch so jasper's is your place to do it go check it out go over to jasper's for all you preds fans great drink specials for the games three dollar beers ten dollar burger what could possibly go wrong so go to jasper's everybody All right, Gover, Let's 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 be positive here for a few minutes on the show. Is that okay? Okay. Let's be that, let's be positive. It's my it's my blood type. Be positive. So <laughs> I, I probably should know with two kids what my blood type is. Um, <laughs> off the top of my head. Uh, a little homework are, for the for the. Yeah, rest exactly. Day. There are three regular season records that are um, uh, being attacked right now by Nashville Predators, and not by just one guy, by a second guy. I think we need to mention, uh, especially after the 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 two goal performance against Seattle. But we'll get to that in a little bit. The stadium series to me, I'm going to start with this very simply. I think it was a massive success. And I said this to you in the press box after the first period, we got the Preds got a goal. They scored first. The crowd got to do all the chants and go crazy. They got to do the introductory chants. Then we had about a 13-minute fight <laughs> in the first period. The place was absolutely packed. The weather could not have been more perfect for an outdoor hockey awesome. game in Nashville. I, I, after the first period, I said, it does not matter what happens tonight in terms of points and goals scored and winners, wins or lose wins or loses wins or losses. This is an like unmitigated, massive success. And I I think the national media reported on that. We can get into some of the details of this and really analyze Pecorino's ability to throw. I'm glad he's a hockey player. Um, But I, I, I just think start starting off this conversation, massive success could not have gone off. The event could not have gone off better uh, other than a victory I think in in any way shape or form you want to describe it
1: I could not agree more and I'll say it's always nice when you're right meaning miss myself or when you, when you're, you're listening and you throw an argument at your spouse or you know whatever your kids and you end up being right it's always always a nice feeling but it's even better when you're both right and Braden, you were right about Tanner Janelle throwing throwing mitts uh, in the first uh, or not ten energy no sorry no, uh, that, was, the, that, was, fight- in the that sorry. was in the Dallas sorry no no sorry yeah. sorry 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 in in the early uh, early early on in the game and I was and, and you said that as long as it goes off without a hitch and everything is great it'll be a success and it was so you were correct check that box but right. I said it would be a success if it was like a one goal game maybe an empty netter but a one goal game and I was right check that box so sure. every sure. Uh, the checklist that we put out there for how this could be a success it was it got a rousing I'd say an A, A plus would be if they won, but an A, and uh, it, the the in game entertainment for what it was was great. the uh, the The game had it had its ebbs and flows. He had two great two great teams. One, two time defending Stanley Cup champion, of course, and then the hometown the Predators, and then uh, Nashville Sh- Sh- with all their gold jerseys in the crowd, and it was just a uh, it was it. it Really, really cool all the way around. I was very, very impressed. And actually, I will say this: I've not said this uh, publicly. Remember, I my kid has first dance comp of the season, competition of the season in Atlanta last weekend, and I flew home to cover this game. And when I got in the car at the airport, I considered not going because I was. Well, because my dog was at Miss Kitty's, shout out to Miss Kitty's, and it's like a hundred dollars <laughs> a night. Long story, and so I was like, well, I could save us a hundred bucks if I don't go, and I'm only getting paid fifty for the game, but it's gonna it cost me sixty five to fly out here, so I'm actually, bu- so I was trying to think of all like I was thinking fi- purely financially, like well, if I don't go, then I can save that hundred dollars and I can get that back, and then everything's cool. But I was like, no, I really, I, I really can't miss this. And the second I walked in, I was like, thank <laughs> God I showed up. So yeah, hopefully yeah. you guys all came. Hopefully you guys all got to witness it. It was spectacular.
0: So uh, this is sort of going to be stream of consciousness, observational stuff, because it's hard to kind of like put it all into buckets. But some of the things that I noticed that I really appreciated, number one, uh, 70,000 people doing chance is in fact better than 20,000 people doing. It is. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Not a surprise, but it was so cool. Just hearing the sucks, even just the sucks in the, in the pregame lineup was like, I kind of stopped and I paid more attention. Cause I was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. Like how many people were in unison because, and this is, there will be a general theme here that kind of brings us back to, to basically the Titans in Nissan stadium at some point. Um, I, I am a, I was pretty critical of the jerseys. Um, I thought once you, as, as Adam and everybody kind of expected, once you see them out on the ice, especially at a distance like that, where they are designed to sort of catch your eye in a different way than in a hockey arena, I thought they looked really really good because they had the the gold helmets. I didn't like the stars on the helmets, but they had the gold helmets and then oh, like, it oh. was cool. The gold stripes through the uniform and then they actually tied it in with the socks so they looked like an old school like bumblebee style. Like it just looked old, like retro to me. And because I could not read the marketing slogan on their chest, I thought they looked great at a distance. And and so I, I would never own one. I don't really own jerseys in general. I'm kind of anti-jersey as a person, but I can see from a distance why they looked good and the whole helmet to, to skates vibe, I think looked pretty good. Um, I, I, <laughs> I think the game ops and how the game went off and how every song and every band, you had Miranda Lambert and Dierks Bentley and a bunch of other things. By the way, by the way, uh, Tiara Kennedy was the best thing I heard in that stadium that, that she night was awesome. She was great. Um, but I just thought the presentation, everything from the visual elements to the audio elements, to the timing of it, to between breaks, to intermission report, like everything was executed, I thought, with precision, which you should expect because the Nashville Predators Ops team was the group that was running it, even though the NHL was sort of in charge of a lot of it. I I just think the Tennessee Titans hopefully are taking notes (laughs) because they do not do anything well, I don't think, inside the game itself at Nissan Stadium. Now, some of that's the building is not all that great. But I thought the game ops and the presentation of the event was done with it was an excellent job by the National Predators in that same building, by the way. So it proves it can be done. First of all, that's yeah, exactly.
1: Second, second of all, I will say that uh, the most impressive thing to me and I didn't realize this at first because I didn't know how they were going to do it. Right. But the most impressive thing to me was the fact that apparently they had briefed every single TV timeout artist that you may need to sing. I like it. I love it because that's where the, that's who sang it. When the Preds scored twice that the, whoever had just played on the little side stage for the TV timeout, they then, instead of their song, they played a cover of, I like it. I love it. And it, that was, and I say apparently because I thought the first person I, I forget the person's name, but the artist's name, but the the first guy that was out there doing the, the TV timeout when the Preds scored at eight twenty of the first period, uh, it was right after a, a TV timeout, and all of a sudden he played it. And I thought, oh, that's kind of cool, a little pivot and kind of improv. You know, that's kind of neat. But then the guy from Lit, what's the what was the I can't remember his actual name, but anyway, uh. uh my own worst enemy whatever whatever whoever oh, yeah, sang yeah, that song yeah, yeah. okay so he was performing on a tv timeout in the third period and then they come back from break and philip forsberg scores on the power play and then he did it and so i was like okay well clearly they've told every person yeah, yeah. be ready for this and it was just
0: it was it was down to that kind of detail it was so cool it was and and, and those songs wrapped up as they're dropping the puck to restart, yes. play, to restart yes. play like on, on the on the note, like it was perfect. Um, so I a, a lot of credit to the game ops team. I will say this just generally the stadium, but way better sight lines in Nissan Stadium than at the Cotton Bowl because the old architecture of the Cotton Bowl is like this big, massive, expansive, wide, you know, lots of space between the seats and the end zones and the actual field and everything. And there's far less of that at Nissan Stadium, the crowd is closer. It felt more like It was appropriately spaced out, like it belonged in the space a little bit more. Like I thought they did a great job designing the stadium and laying it all out with graphics and stuff. Um, I I think it fit the the walk from the you know from the rink to the dressing rooms wasn't nearly as bad as it was in the Cotton Bowl. It just felt like it fit better in that space, even though the Cotton Bowl is like a cooler venue, even though it's not exactly a beautiful stadium. Right. And and it's it was got 100- history. We like to say, right, yeah. Like, it's got history. I learned how to cuss at that at that stadium uh, watching, a Texas, <laughs> watching a Texas Oklahoma game when I was like ten years old. Um, so I, I have you know personal ties to the Cotton Bowl that I really love. But I, I thought I walked out into the while they were warming up, and I went outside of the press box to kind of go walk around and kind of get the feel of the venue and what what the vibe of the crowd was and everything. And I just, it outdoor hockey, it just feels like I'm watching, and I said this to you already, but it feels like I'm watching like a bunch of friends playing on their like outdoor rink in their backyard in like some podunk nowhere, middle of nowhere Saskatchewan town. And I just, I don't know why that's the vibe I got. And it made me happy. <laughs> like I just, it didn't matter. It was the Predators or Lightning or whatever. Like I, I just was like, oh, look at those guys playing. Like I think there should be, this is how crazy my brain went. I I think you you build an outdoor rink with an outdoor hockey stadium and you play in it for two months of the year or a month of the year. Like I would, I want to see like 10 games like that. It's so not Nissan stadium necessarily. I would love to see someone build an outdoor hockey rink with an, with stands so that you could actually sort of consistently use the building throughout the course of maybe like January and December or whatever. Like, I just think it looks so cool. The outdoor vibe when you see it, I don't think it translates on television. I think it tr- it's so different in person.
1: Uh, one, I, I couldn't agree with you more in the sense that it's there's a charm about it. There's a natural charm in it. Two, it was Frankie Ballard and AJ Popoff. I want to close that loop up. Those go. are the two artists that got to sing it. Uh, and then three, I disagree with you in the sense that while I do want to see more outdoor hockey because I want to personally experience it, <laughs> It would take away from the specialness of the event. Because right now, I th- personally, I think right now, they've watered it down. When they came out with the Winter Classic, I think it was 08, when Buffalo and Pittsburgh played outdoors and that snowy, it's still the most picturesque one. It's beautiful. Snow's falling while Crosby's on the shootout. You know, uh, It was so beautiful and so unique and so different. And then they did it again for the next year. You're like, oh, this is really, really cool. But then they started to add these stadium series games where they're not quite winter classics, but they're basically the same thing. And it's not on New Year's Day, but it's other times of the year when they can kind of finagle some right, stadium right. rights and that kind of thing. They watered it down. It's not as special. It used to be appointment viewing okay. where I would watch every game, even if Chicago and Detroit were in it for the 30th time. I'd still watch it because it was appointment viewing. Now there's multiple outdoor games a year and I just don't care
0: as much. And I'm a hockey purist so people casual watch them people they're not a television draw but i think they're an in-person draw so i I guess what i'm trying to think of is a way to create that in-person draw more often while not watering down the television product if that makes sense so it's almost like you you know the dirt okay are you you're not a racing fan are you like uh, of any kind no 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 no, no. so there's a there's a, a dirt track race for the truck series in nascar in a in an old historic venue in ohio and it's sort of this one-off event every year where they they drive their trucks on dirt instead of, you know, <laughs> a paved track. And it is so, so charming because of the venue, right? So I, I almost feel like if you could, if there was something like that, where going to it, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this. I just, it's, it's it, I want more people to be able to go to them, but I'm with you. I don't, it doesn't translate on TV unless there's like Lake Tahoe behind you, you know?
1: Which was awesome, yeah. also.
0: But, setting, uh, setting matters here for
1: sure, yeah, for sure. Uh, so I will give you this: if they did one event per team, there you go, a year. Okay, then I think that would probably work okay, or a weekend. You know, hey, it's outdoor weekend. Come hang out with. Now you're not going to sell seventy thousand tickets. That's for damn sure.
0: No, if I think like a thirty thousand. But you can do a
1: thirty thousand. Right, you could do a thirty thousand. And you could do, and you could sell those, both those games out and, or what, you know, again, I'm just assuming it's a weekend and then, you know, but there's more logistical nightmares to that. But I, but I agree that that would be cool, but I will also say to your example, maybe it was a bad example, but to your example, you just said once a year, they do this dirt
0: track thing and that's exactly the point. It's once. So
1: it's cool to watch.
0: I I don't know. There is going to be a brand new 30,000 seat stadium. That's not going to be used in December and January in Nashville. So I'm just, I'm just saying. They could totally do that. With,
1: with, I mean, does just Bridgestone saying. Arena then get a take? Like, how does that work? Because sure. I mean, a lot of these things, like, some, I heard somebody say earlier, earlier this week that, like, it'd be really cool, which I never thought about. It'd be really cool if the Grizzlies played one game or one weekend in Nashville and then the Preds went and played one weekend yeah, in cool. Memphis. I like that. But how are you going to lay ice for two games?
0: In Me- it's just that there's, yeah, there's more yeah, complications man. to that. But if you can figure out the logistics of it, I'm, I'm on board. No, like my, my theory is sort of like put down a sheet of ice in the coldest time of the year for like three or four weeks. Then you can use it as like a skating rink for fans. Like they did a little one downtown That's and, then true. You could, and then you can play three or four or five home games over the course of a month. And it becomes like a converted outdoor hockey stadium. Like, like no one else has got anywhere in the world. I don't know. My I, I know it's far fetched. There's lots of like, you know, bells and whistles about how it actually would work that, that maybe causes that to not be the case. But, like, if you found the best, the coldest four weeks of the year and you put down a sheet of ice at the new soccer stadium where when they're not using it because they don't use it for, uh, you know, their season starts now, so they don't use it in in December and January, and maybe you play three or four or five home games there over the course of, like, a, a half, of, you know, a month or whatever, and then more people get to experience it, And it's, it becomes like part, I don't, I, I, it will never happen. (laughs) I am not, it's never going to happen, but there is, I want everyone to see the vibe of an outdoor game because it just feels different. It feels like you said, there's a charm there. It feels like you're in your backyard and it is so worth doing in person, but I'm with you. I don't, I just, the the TV aspect of it, I I have not gone back and watched it. I need to go do that actually. (laughs) Um, to see how it translated on TV. I'm sure the, you you know, you got better camera angles and closer to the action, but that takes away from the event to me. Like I, the event is 70,000 people cheering and the event is the outside and the cold and the breath and the, you know, the ice sheet was great on Saturday. So anyway, we're, we're, we've waxed poetically enough about this. Um, And, and my, you know, cockamamie scheme about playing a month of hockey outside in Nashville. (laughs) Um, All right. Some records, I, I like. Sorry, I just put a bow on this to say I love the idea if they could figure out how to give it to every team. Yeah, I think that's fair. You'd have to find a place kind of like that every, everywhere. I, I'm with you on that. All right, we'll wrap this up here. A um, couple of records. Just want to remind everybody sort of tracking these, especially with Forsberg trade talks. But 34 goals is the regular season record by Victor Arvidsson. Philip Forsberg yes. has 27. So he has eight games to score seven goals to tie that record in (laughs) in theory. Well, Um, well, that's true. He has eight games. That's true. Because he might not be here. So he might not be here. Um, If he stays here through the deadline, I imagine he'll break that record. But even if he doesn't, and even if he's traded, Matt Duchesne has 25 goals and is only nine away and could absolutely break Victor Arvidsson's single season scoring record. Roman Yossi. And he got, will not be traded. And he will not <laughs> <So>. be <laughs> traded. So ap, that, wouldn't that be ironic that you trade Philip Forsberg and then Matt Duchesne breaks the record? That would be yeah. super ironic. Uh, Roman Yossi, of course, a couple of assists on, on Wednesday evening. He's up over. He's got 501 points now. One of the fastest defensemen in NHL history. I don't remember exactly what it is. I want to say one of the top four five, six fastest defensemen. ever get to 500 points. Um, That's impressive
1: considering the gluttony of amazing defensemen, especially offensive defensemen this league has seen over the years. Yep.
0: 566 points is David Leguan. So he's not going to get there this year. Obviously he would need, you know, an insane last three weeks, but he'll get there next year. Yossi will be the all-time points total leader for next season. He's got 41 assists right now. The record is 54 for a season. So he only needs 13 assists the rest of the way. His record or the Preds record? The Preds record for the single season is 54. So Yossi will will break that number with 13 more assists. And then Yossi has 55 points, and the total, of course, Paul Correa, 85 points, uh, is the the only player ever in Predators history to score over 80 points, and Yossi is on on pace to break that as well. So in theory, you could have the single-season goal, assists, and points total record all broken in the same year, which would be pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the fact that you see one record broken, it's tremendous, right? If the goals record... Right? Like, okay, like for everybody else around the league, 35 or what, you know, it's not (laughs) that much. But, 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 (laughs) but Prince fans for 22, 23 years have been, you know, that's an incredible mark to get to 30 goals. And so the fact that he could actually break the goals record and then, oh, by the way, there's a points record that could be smashed by a defenseman, no less. And then there's an assist record that could also be like, it's. It's crazy to think that these all these things could happen. You're right. The all time points record is not gonna. It's he's not gonna get there this year, but uh, early next October, November next year, he's gonna he'll break it, assuming no injury, of course. And uh, it's it's just an exciting time offensively. N- no Predators fan right now can have can just lean on that lazy argument of like, well, they never have any offense. The Predators <laughs> yeah. are horrible at offense. That's all gone out the window this season. So yeah, it's it's
0: very very exciting. Yeah. Korea, of course, has the the assist record as well. 54 and 52. He's one and two his two seasons in Nashville. Yes. Ryan Johansson in the president's trophy year had 50 assists. Those are the only three times they've ever had a player go over 50 assists. And Mikael Granlin has 33. He could actually get to 50, a, a long shot, but he could actually get to 50 uh, in theory as well. He'll be uh, up in that top five or six or so. Um, so again, there's a lot of guys on, on pace for some 50 60 point seasons and to get well, into the top the 10 r- all you need is 64 points the rookie goals record tanner oh, geno yeah, could yeah. get to that yeah so
1: there's uh, there, again there's there's even more so i it's just it's really it's it's a real real exciting time if you're a predators fan and you love offense <laughs> it's a yeah. really great time He's- to be a fan
0: He's already. Pa- I think rattleoff had 17 as a rookie, so he's already yes. passed. He's already passed that, and I think Forsberg's record was 25. I believe 25 so- is the number. Yes, 25. So that's all you got to do, man. And and again, 30 goals has only happened nine times in franchise history. Nine different players have ever done it. Uh, not nine different. Correction. players. Nine, nine different times. Sorry. And, and uh, they could have two guys do it this year. So 26. Sorry, I said 25. 26 is the record. 26 is okay. the rookie record. Yeah. I don't know if he gets there, but. To be number two on that list is pretty impressive. So uh, just well, for an undrafted for an undrafted yes. guy that yes. had no fanfare
1: whatsoever. And everybody was like, why did Poyle protect him in the expansion draft? <laughs> like, tw- I mean, he's got 18 right now. He needs six more goals. to time it Yeah, that's pretty great. Pretty or eight, eight more goals. So I can't do math either. Eight, eight more goals.
0: So anything else you'd like to add? we've done all the negativity. We've done all the positivity. We've got the records they'll play San Jose on Saturday, Dallas on Tuesday, Anaheim on Thursday, huge week of again, huge next two and a half weeks for this organization and, uh, and Philip Forsberg and the playoffs and the deadline and everything. So, uh, we'll be back again next week. And then Adam's back the following week to, to head us, take us into the, the trade deadline. Um, anything else you'd like to add to the great folks? It was an awesome evening in Nashville on Saturday night. Rene was great. I thought, I, I thought the entire weekend, the national media has been raving about their experience. You got Ryan Whitney just saying like, you know, this is the greatest, you know, pregame outdoor hockey game I've ever been on. Cause he's like getting wasted on Broadway or whatever. So, so um, people had fun and that is what matters. And they said a lot of nice things about our city. So the only thing I'll say is that it was really nice to hang out with you for once. Cause we,
1: we always pass each other or, you know, whatever uh, at games or, you know, whatever it is, it was actually nice to sit with you for, I mean, two and a half full periods, basically, and just just cut it up and nobody rip on said- people and Nobody's talk said- about games and
0: you know, it's just it was it was just it was really great. It was well, so I, I want to thank you for taking the time to sit with me. It was really awesome. Well, that was that's very nice of you, um, but no one has ever said it was really nice to h- spend time with you, Braden. <laughs> no one's ever well, said that before. Well, it was. So get over it. It was it was, it was really great. No, it, it was, was a
1: very nice surprise because we were not, for those who don't, we were not assigned seats together. I had found a seat with some elbow room because I just put on a plane and I, around and I, and I a bunch of dance moms for the whole weekend so i needed my little my little bubble so i found that and then Braden came over in the middle of the first period or so sat down and we just talked about music and hockey and just ripping on people and, t- and just talking about the play on the ice and the <laughs> festivities the, and all that i mean you know, all
0: this for for about two hours it was it was really really refreshing so thank you man for doing that well, i had a blast uh, go to jasper's of course as well to watch all the games Free parking, great uh, drink specials and food specials uh, during Preds games. Gold standard cocktail named after this podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. Check out the YouTube page as well. you got all kinds of stuff there uh, for all you national sports fans. Jeremy, where can people find you? They can find me at It's Gover Time on Twitter. And then if your local station subscribes to AP Radio uh, sports subscriptions, and you'll hear my work there. There you go. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. Tell me how all of my opinions are terrible there. I'm totally fine with that, and I'm <laughs> honored. I'm honored if you take time out of your day to tell me how much of a moron you think I am. Thank you guys all for listening. Write a little review there on the on your podcast app. We really appreciate it. Uh, subscribe, tell your friends, all that great stuff. For Jeremy Gover, my name is Braden Gall. This has been The Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.